Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. He konai purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Kia ora and welcome to the Elemental Podcast from RNZ. I'm Alison Balance. And I'm Alan Blackman from the Auckland University of Technology. And this celebration of the International Year of the Periodic Table is flowing along as smoothly as today's element, Mercury. And open wide. In episode 48, we find out about that deadly grey-looking stuff that many of us of a certain age have in our mouths, if we've ever had fillings in our teeth. Yeah, I've got a few. (laughs) So Mercury, named after the planet Mercury. (laughs) So that's nice and easy. However, it does have the chemical symbol HG. And so where do we get that from? That comes from the Latin hydrogyrum which apparently means liquid silver. Ah, we call it quicksilver too, don't we? Yes, indeed, for the reason that it flows and it's silver, yeah. So so the vital statistics, its uh, atomic number is 80 and it's in group 12 of the periodic table, which makes it one of the last of the transition metals over to the right-hand side of the transition metals. Now, when did we first discover Mercury? Well, this is one of the unknown ones. So elemental Mercury was known to the ancient Chinese and the Hindus, and it's been found in Egyptian tombs dated to around about 1500 BCE. And uh, if ever you've been to see the Terracotta Army, and can I boast again and say that I have, because it's quite an amazing place. We've just had some of them in Wellington, you know. Oh, very well. You know, just a few months ago. <laughs> One or two, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are fabulous. And if, if you do go there, you will find that the actual burial place of Emperor Chin, who came up with these uh, terracotta warriors, hasn't been touched yet because rumour has it that he's buried amidst literal rivers and lakes of mercury. Well, that'll be something to see. Oh, yeah. People always talk about how mesmerising mercury is to watch. You know, if you broke one of those old-fashioned thermometers, little balls of mercury would roll around and then you could gather them up and they'd stick back together again. And yes, indeed, that used to fascinate me as a kid as well, whenever the teacher would get out the mercury. Or, indeed, if you went to the dentist and if you were really good and didn't scream too much in the days before high-speed drills, the dental nurse would give you a bottle of mercury to hold and you'd be amazed at its weight. Very, very dense. So mercury is... That rarest of examples, a liquid metal at room temperature and atmospheric pressure. So it is unique in that respect. And because it was unique, the alchemists, who were a bunch of folk who were around 
probably at least three, four hundred years ago, right back to the sort of the Greeks and the Romans, uh, thought that it would have to be special. It had to be special if it was a liquid metal. And they figured out that, in fact, that mercury was probably a component of all metals and therefore it could be converted to gold by combining it with other metals. Their reasoning behind this might have had something to do with the fact that you can get metals that will easily alloy with mercury, and that's a process called amalgamation. Huh. That's another word that I just hadn't appreciated (laughs) had a chemical origin. Nice one. (laughs) And most important of these metals that amalgamate with mercury is gold. And this is why mercury used to be extensively used in gold mining. Also, when you make an amalgam of gold and mercury, uh, if you drive off the mercury from that, you end up with gold, a very, very thin sheet of gold. And so gold amalgam was then used to plate metals with gold. And so all that you do is just immerse them in the mixture, boil off the mercury, and this is a process called gilding, like uh, the old saying to gild the lily. Mm -hmm. This was uh, quite widely used and way back when, when it came to build St. Isaac's Cathedral in St. Petersburg, uh, they decided to gild the dome of that. Uh, That required around about 100 tonnes of gold, and sadly, 60 workers died from the mercury fumes, which uh, resulted from boiling off all that mercury. Wow, that's one expensive dome. (laughs) I think the fact that mercury was really poisonous was drilled into us as kids. If, If you did break that thermometer, it was a case of, no, don't touch. Yes, mercury is very poisonous, uh, pretty much in all its forms, but some are more poisonous than others. Uh, An example of this, uh, a very eminent American chemist uh, in the late 1980s by the name of Karen Vetterhahn. She was working with mercury compounds, that was her speciality. Uh, She had taken all the correct precautions, she had uh, gloves on, and she spilt two drops of a particular mercury compound on her gloves... Uh, she didn't think that that was going to be too much of a bother. Unfortunately, the mercury compound went through the gloves and she died around about nine months later. Uh, It was a horrible death as well. So that particular form of mercury, very, very nasty. And the fact that mercury is poisonous has been known since the time of one Pliny the Elder. And he wrote about this in the first century CE in his uh, book Natural History. And he apparently died in the Vesuvius explosion, but uh, <laughs> we haven't got time to talk about that. No, we but, digress. <laughs> well, we, do, we often do, yes. <laughs> yeah, so all the way back to the Romans, it was known that mercury's poisonous. But for some reason, humans being what they are, I guess, mercury, even though they've known it's been poisonous, it's been used to treat any number of diseases and ailments since uh, the time of the ancient Romans. So Uh, laxatives, disinfectants, skin treatments, and cures for syphilis all involved mercury compounds. Now, surprisingly, the latter did actually work as it killed the organism responsible for the disease, but this is your classic case of the cure being worse than the disease. Indeed. (laughs) Hey, going back to your mention of gold mining, I've read that mercury and mercury poisoning is a real problem in places like Brazil where you get hundreds of illegal gold miners trying to find alluvial gold along the rivers there. Yeah, and again, that's that's another example. Everybody knows it's poisonous, but it's just that lure of gold, I guess. Mm. And sadly, there have been more cases of large-scale mercury poisoning than we would want. 
a couple of recent examples of these. Uh, the most famous one very probably came from the 1950s in Minamata Bay in Japan. So there was a lot of people there that lived in this bay and there was a chemical company situated there and they discharged mercury containing waste into the bay for around about 30 years. The people living in the bay subsisted on fish that they caught from the bay. They were being slowly poisoned, of course, by the fish that they ate. And around about 10,000 or so people suffered from what was called Minamata disease, uh, which was methylmercury poisoning of the central nervous system. Extraordinarily nasty. Very, very, very sad. And another large-scale poisoning came from the 1970s uh, in Iraq. And uh, around about 5,000 people were affected then because they ate grain that had been treated with a mercury-containing antifungal. The labellings on the sacks of grain, I think, got mixed up, something like that, and they ended up uh, eating the treated stuff, which yeah, led to a large number of casualties. I guess we've concentrated on the bad side of mercury. Are there any good sides of mercury? It's not all bad, I guess. So even though it's poisonous, uh, mercury found great use in barometers and manometers and thermometers, because of this, chemistry really in around about the 1600s began in earnest because of the use of these things, the barometers and manometers uh, especially. And uh, what you'll find if you're sitting under fluorescent lights at the moment, uh, there'll be mercury in those and uh, they are energy saving with respect to incandescent bulbs. And so therefore, <laughs> that's a good side of mercury. Coming back to what we mentioned at the start also, uh, mercury fillings, good or bad? I'd have to say that, in my humble opinion, I don't think it's a great idea really, but I'm sure you talk to any number of dentists who've got the opposite opinion. I've had friends who've actually had all their mercury amalgam fillings removed, and the process of doing that's quite a faff because basically you're removing all this toxic waste out of the mouth. and. That's one of the advantages of these new LED light bulbs too because those compact fluorescents, you know, energy-saving bulbs, you yep. have to be really careful about throwing those away because of the mercury in them. Yeah, the mercury was enclosed, but as soon as you broke them, it, it, it would get out. So, um, yeah, <laughs> as long as you didn't sort of throw them away, they're great. So, yeah. <laughs> now, interesting fact, please. We've done a few phrases in the last few episodes and another phrase, mad as a hatter. And this uh, is directly related to mercury uh, because mercury was used in making felt hats way back in the day. Indeed, the condition has uh, a technical term, and it's called erythism. It's also known as erythism mercurialis. Why would you even use mercury in hats? (laughs) Okay, so it's not elemental mercury that you're using here. It's a compound of mercury called mercuric nitrate. And uh, that's involved in a process called carroting. So, <laughs> Doesn't become... involve carrots? No, it doesn't involve carrots, but the reason for this name will become obvious. So what happens in carroting is that the furs from small animals such as rabbits and hares and beavers uh, were separated from their skins and matted together to make the felt. What you would use when you're doing that is an orange-coloured solution containing mercuric nitrate, and that was used as a smoothing agent to make it all nice and smooth. Now, unfortunately, in treated felts, a slow reaction released volatile free mercury, and so the people who worked in such factories, hatters or indeed milliners, often came into contact with uh, vapours from the impregnated felt. They were often working in confined areas, and you can see where this is going. Curiouser and curiouser, as Lewis Carroll's Mad Hatter said. 
What was that Alice in Alice in Wonderland? Either way, there was definitely a mad hatter. So you've been listening to episode 48 of Elemental, which means that we are now officially halfway through the series. Numerically speaking, wahoo! <laughs> Stay tuned as that means there are still 48 episodes to come. Find us at rnz.co.nz slash chemistry or as a podcast on your favourite app. Thanks for your company and we're back next time with molybdenum. But until then, it's goodbye from me, Alan Blackman. And me, Alison Balance. Kia ora mai. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.